Okay, there we go. Probably a good thing for me to pray before I start this morning's message. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true. But Lord, above all else, we thank you that we can come to you, the living God. And this morning as we look at your word and as I preach, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, that our hearts would be open to receive from you, that we would make the adjustments necessary according to the truth of your word, that we would grow in understanding, knowledge, and relationship with you, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. So, the, um, we've been looking at um, the ingredients or characteristics of what it means to be a base church, basically what it means to be a family of God that has impact beyond our borders as a church. And so, last week we looked at um, how the, the point that people are important to God. That you and I are important to God, that he sent his son Jesus. And therefore, if people are important to God, they're important to us. And so we need to be building a relationship with God, but building our relationship with others. And we looked at the fact that the church is the family of God. Remember, if you want, it's all on the website. If you missed last week, you can, you can download and listen to that or just listen to it on, uh, I think it's on iTunes or something. Um, but that we are a family of God. And that, that ethos of the family is so important because we need to build authentic relationships with that and that we are the church, the family of God, and he is our king. Today I want to build on that. A few weeks ago we looked at um, uh, the fact that we... We can come into God's presence because he is our Lord and King. But um, also just the fact that God is our Savior. And everything is focused on him and he needs to be central. If he isn't central, then we're building completely wrong in our own lives. So that everything is for and on and built around Jesus. Jesus is our center. Jesus is our focus. He's our message. We build our lives according to his way, and we live together and build that together as a community. This morning, if you take notes or want a title, you could say contending together. Uh, We're speaking about, I want to look at the the subject of prayer this morning, Um, because actually where we see that we have access to him as as our father, and together we stand together in prayer. And so I'm not doing a full teach on this is what prayer is, but we're going to touch a number of different things. But I want to look at what it is to pray and to contend together. You see, if we understand that everything is based on our relationship with God, then we need to understand that prayer is part of that relationship and it's something to be experienced with him. It's, it's not just theoretical. If we, if we know that we have a relationship with God but don't experience that relationship with God, there's, where's the reality in that? You see, it's, it's not enough just to, to know what the Bible says. But we need to know what it says and put it into practice. In other words, know who God is, know what the Word says, but live that out in a personal relationship with Him that transforms how we live and who we are. And uh, otherwise, it's just head knowledge. And in all of that, God clearly invites us to communicate with Him, to talk with Him, to speak with Him, to ask Him things to go to him for help, to go to him for understanding, to go to to him for healing, for all different things. God himself invites us to speak and commune and communicate with him, both for ourselves and behalf of others. And that's prayer. 
is us communicating and talking with God, but also part of that is listening to him as well. If we look at the very beginning in Genesis, we see that God created heaven and earth, and he created man, and it says that he he walked and spoke with Adam and Eve. There was that intimacy of a relationship where he would communicate and they would speak and they knew him. And we know that when sin entered, that relationship was broken. And there's nothing we can do to fix that. That's why Jesus came. Remember, we looked at that again last week. That that's why Jesus came to restore us in a relationship with God, our creator. That's the purpose of Jesus. That he came that, and, and he took our sin, took our guilt, paid the price and gave us his righteousness so that we could come into the presence of God again and walk in intimate relationship with him again as we are created to do. Unfortunately, through the centuries, man seems to have taken the thing of prayer and turned it into a ritual or a mantra or an event. In some ways, turned it into something that, a process of trying to get something because we've said something. If you know what I'm saying? And, and, and then you hear people say things like, well, I tried praying and it didn't work. It's like, almost like, well, I tried praying and it didn't work. It's like, well, I tried that food and I didn't like it. You see, we don't try prayer. How many of you who are married have tried talking and it doesn't work, so you don't do it anymore? <laughs> You're not going to get very far. Yeah. Yet that's how we can so often view, view prayer. It's something that we try, and then when it doesn't work according to what we want, we just don't do it anymore. It's like you're talking to your spouse and want something and ask them, and then they don't agree with you, so then, well, it didn't work. They didn't didn't get what I wanted, so I stop. How can we look at prayer like that? Well, sometimes it's seen as an event, something that we go and do, or something that we repeat as a... in order to get something. And like we go to prayer, we do this. Yes, we do have prayer meetings, we do have times of prayer, but it's, it's communing with God, it's speaking to Him. When we read Scripture, we see these incredible highlights. We see like in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 where um, Elijah prayed and God stopped the rain for three years. And then he prayed again and, and the rains came. And we think that's incredible. We'd love. I tried to pray and the rain didn't stop doesn't work and then we look at people like in, in, in Nehemiah when he prayed and he asked God for favor and God gave him favor in 1 Chronicles we see Jabez who asked God for, for, uh, to extend his kingdom and expand and enlarge his territory we see Moses praying we see David praying we see Jesus praying and, and we see these highlights and we think, well, okay, well, let me pray and see. And it doesn't work. And so we, so we stop as if it's like a formula that we can put into place. And then people take those things and we write books and we do courses of how to pray like this and how to pray like that. Even when Jesus teaches the disciples in Matthew where he says, this, this, is, this is how you should pray then, our Father in heaven, how would be your name? And we could probably all recite that. And often we take that and then we use it as like, well, if I say this, then this is going to happen. It's almost like 
weirdly, it's like we, we're chanting something in order to receive something we, what we hope it does. But that's not prayer. Those are just highlights. What we're seeing there is, is these moments of, of Elijah praying and, and rain stopping and then rain starting three years later is a highlight. But what we forget or, 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 or don't even think about is the fact that he lived a life of intimacy with God, that he knew the voice of God. When God spoke, he recognized it. And so there was this communing with God the whole way through his life. And that's a moment where we see the power of God move. And it's more about the power of God and the sovereignty of God than it is about Elijah's prayer but we stick on that and we think well he prayed and I prayed and it didn't work because actually what is there is a lifestyle of prayer of communing with God of talking with God of knowing God and, uh, and God holding uh, us in his hands What we forget is that prayer is actually an essential part of the life of a believer. Because it's talking with him. It's listening to him. It's crying out, asking for help. It's declaring our praise and our joy and our thanks. But if we remove it and reduce it to patterns and rituals, we miss the power of what it means to be a people who commune with God and pray fervently and regularly. It's a, it's a lifestyle of devotion. Remember the other week, last week and the week before, I think I, both weeks I mentioned Acts 2.42 where it says they devoted themselves to prayer, to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. It's a lifestyle of devotion. Devoting yourself to prayer means that actually we understand what prayer is. It's, I hope you're getting what I'm saying, is that it's not this disconnected thing you could in some ways without reducing the power of it say we need to devote ourselves to a lifestyle of talking with God (coughs) just for a moment if you remove the things of the word prayer and say well it's talking with God Jesus went into solitary places on his own to talk with God Daniel, three times a day, removed himself and talked with God. Elijah talked with God and God stopped the rain. He talked with God and God brought the rain. Nehemiah was troubled by the brokenness of, uh, of Jerusalem, so he talked with God and asked for a plan and asked for favor and God answered Jesus taught his disciples how to talk to the Father. You see how when we, when we remove the term, now I'm not saying that we lose the term, I'm just using it this morning to hopefully change our thinking. When we come together to pray, we come together to talk to God, to call on his name, to ask for all sorts of things, to pray for people to be healed and all of those things because it's a lifestyle of communing with him if we look at it in the context of a parent-child relationship because remember we saved and we come into the, the, the family of God and he is our father and so we need to read things through that, that relationship of a restored relationship with God very very early on in children's lives do they start 
Well, certainly this is my experience with my children and other children that I've observed. They try and work out a formula of how they can get what they want. You all laugh because either you've done it or your children have done it. It's like, well, I'll try this. If I don't get an answer, I'll try that. Oh, that worked. So next time they do the same thing. Whether it's, well, if I ask Dad and he's going to say no, then I'm going to ask Mum and she'll say yes. And so I'm always going to go to her first. Or if, I, or if I persist and beg and beg and beg and beg and beg and beg in Tesco, in the bus, wherever, and beg, then they're going to give it. So, so what do they do? They build a pattern of behavior because that's how they get a reward or, or the answer. How often do we approach prayer and talking to God in the same way? Now, I know that the Bible says that we mustn't give up praying, and I know that God does use that picture of the persistent widow, but it is more out of the desperation of her heart than a trying to twist and manipulate into an answer. See, so often God answers in, in one situation, and then we think, well, that's the way. So then everything, we always pray in that way, we always do it this way, because that got, and doesn't work. Why? Because we're coming to God who is our Father, who loves to communicate and talk with us and walks our life with us so that we actually have a relationship. Make sense? James even speaks about asking with a wrong attitude. You don't have because you don't ask, and when you do ask, you ask with a wrong motive, therefore you don't get. See how humanity, we, we so easily get onto those weird tracks of doing it, but we need to get back to the fact that we have an invitation from our God and Father to freely come to Him and talk and ask. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says, Call on me, this is God speaking, Call on me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That is God's word to you and me call on me ask me and I'll show you unsearchable things that you do not know isn't that a privilege don't we miss that if we make prayer a moment the one thing I love about where's Pauline Pauline's the back there you just need to spend a few times, a few moments with Pauline, and you hear that, and talk to her about her life. She constantly talks to God. If you're in our home group, you know, because she just says that I just talk to God. She talks to God when she goes shopping, when she gets in a taxi. She talks all the time, and there's that expectation that God's listening and God will answer, and God will show. Psalm 25 verse 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him and he makes his covenant known to them. Another incredible promise. 1 Peter 3.12, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. Matthew 18, 19-20, if two of you on earth agree about anything that you ask, it will be done for him by my Father in heaven. For where two or three of you come together, there I am with them. Mark 11.24 speaks about asking and believing with faith. 1 John 5.14, ask with confidence. Luke 18, pray and don't give up praying. Thessalonians 5, pray continually. Philippians chapter 4, the God of all creation says, don't worry about anything. 
but with thanksgiving present your requests before me and let my peace guard your heart and your mind. He's inviting us not to worry, but to go to him. John 14, verse 14, speaking to believers, he says, ask me anything. John 15, 7, if, here's the key. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, whatever you, you ask, whatever you wish, and it will be given you. You see, everything that comes about prayer, about answered prayer, about our lives, has this root. We saved by Jesus through faith and by, by the work of the cross. We have a relationship with him, so remain in him. Remain in him. He can move and change anything. So why do we hold back? Just go back to the, 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 the scripture in Philippians. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Who's the one who's telling you not to worry? The one who is above it all. We sang it this morning. Above it all, above it all. We sing above it all, above it all, but we worry frantically because we need to be in control. Why? Because we don't trust God. Why? Because we build a life around moments of talking rather than a lifestyle of communing and living with our Father who is the creator of heaven and earth, all-powerful, all-knowing, able to do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine. And he's the one who says, come and ask of me and I will reveal to you unsearchable things that you do not know. Ask, don't worry about anything. Ask me and I will deal with it. That's what prayer is. It's communing and talking with our incredible God and Father who is far above everything else. And yet for some stupid reason, we reduce this communion and conversation and intimacy of a relationship with Father to moments of mantras and practices. Something we try. We need to get our heads right according to the word of God, which is the God of all creation is inviting each one of us to daily talk and speak with him about anything. The Bible says if you are sick, pray. If you're in trouble, pray. If you need an answer, pray. If you don't know what to do, ask. He will give you wisdom. Who? The God of all creation. The one who is enthroned on high, for whom nothing is impossible. He says, come and pray. Come and speak to me. Matthew chapter 6 tells us that we are valuable to him. We looked a bit at that last week where, where he speaks about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and not one of them falls to the ground and he doesn't know. And how we are more important. Matthew 10 speaks about the fact that, that even the very hairs on your head are numbered. Even mine. <laughs> Psalm 139 speaks about how intimately God knows us from before we were even born. He knows our coming and going. He knows our anxious thoughts. He knows our fears. He knows our joys. He knows everything. So don't withhold. Don't make prayer a moment. Make it a lifestyle of communion with God. 
make it a lifestyle of crying out to him so that actually then there's that authenticity of the relationship with the Father that transforms how we think, how we are. You see, when we come to him constantly, then we can live with peace and joy and hope. Why? Because we know his voice. We know him and he knows us. And that's a real relationship that we live in, not some moment that we go to. So when we pray, it's not a ritual or a mantra. Hoping that it works. When we pray, it's us calling out, asking, talking, praising, thanking God, who is your Father, and whose ears turn to those who are His. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7? See, when Jesus speaks, Very well-known passage of Scripture. Again, just read it with me with eyes that are open from the point of view of this is God your Father. Not a, a disconnected, aloof God who you can't go to, but one who you have free access to because of Jesus. And he says this, Matthew chapter 7 from verse 7, you see, sometimes we have got a skewed view of God. And this passage, if we look at it carefully and we look at it with our eyes open and say, God, speak to me, show me, we see the incredible love, grace, compassion, goodness of God. It says this Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So ask, seek, and knock. God will respond. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you? Just remember what I was saying last week. Family, God, the Father. Look at the picture he uses. Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give... Give good, give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do to you, for this sums up the whole law and the prophets. God uses the picture of a father and the son. But the son asks for something and the Father responds. Now, I'm not saying that every time we ask, God gives us, because He is a Father who knows better than we do. And just in our fallenness, my children in the past have asked me for things, and I've known that if I give that to them, it's not going to be good for them, so I've not given it to them. Actually, that shows my love and care for them more than they might not have thought so. But the picture God uses to teach us about asking Him and what we to expect is that picture of a Father who loves us. How many times have people, maybe you even, have gone and said, well, if I pray for that, I don't know if God's going to give it to me because I don't know if I deserve it. Well, we don't deserve anything. But we have everything because of Jesus. Someone once put it like this. We all, thinking of, this is completely off track, thinking of Noah and the ark. We all deserve the flood, but we get given the ark. 
We all deserve nothing, but we get given Jesus. And so because of Jesus, we come before God, and when we ask, God isn't going to say, well, um, no, this is what you deserve. But sometimes we, we approach him and approach even thinking about those things. That's why sometimes we, in our praying, is not really faith-filled because we think, well, actually, God's going to give me this instead. But you see, the attitude here is saying, if, if, a, if, if an evil father knows how to give their children good gifts, how much more will God in heaven give us good gifts? So what's our experience? What's our expectation of God? That we can come to him as a loving father. He responds and gives us what is right for us. So why is it that we doubt him? So why is it that we doubt him when he knows what's best? Why is it that we don't trust him and try and do it ourselves? Why is it that we don't pray more? You need to answer those questions for yourself. I have to answer them every day. It's like, God, if you're the Father who loves to give us good gifts, who wants to show us great and unsearchable things, you ask us and invite us to talk, invite us to pray, invite us to... Why don't we do it more? You see, we can look at Jesus and think, well, Jesus needed, didn't need to, but he did. Well, Jesus did need to speak to the Father. You ever heard someone say that? The one Jesus who needed to pray the least prayed the most. It's a very common kind of Christian saying, which is actually ridiculous. Because Jesus needed to talk to his Father. Why? Because he understood that he was in relationship with him. And in order for a relationship to continue, there needs to be that communion and talking and spending time with. So Jesus knew he needed to be with the Father in order to hear what the Father has to say, in order to face what he had to face, in order to live out what God's called them to live out, in order to reflect the Father to the world. He needed to be with the Father. We need to be with the Father even more because we're not Jesus. But we need to be hearing him, need to be talking to him, need to have a lifestyle of that. Devoting ourselves to prayer, devoting ourselves to spending time talking to him. Maybe there is a link between devotion to talking with God and the power that they experienced. Not maybe, I think there definitely is. So when we look at contending together when we look at being a church that is impactful and doing what God's called us to do it starts with us not living a life where prayer is a moment or a ritual or an event but it's a lifestyle of living with him it's an essential part of the life of the believer it's the privilege of a child of God to go to their father not something to be taken for granted but something to be Embraced and done as much as possible. It's a key ingredient to growing and experiencing God. See, if you want to mature in God, if you want to know more about, if you, if you want your life to be transformed, to become more and more like Jesus, to become more and more like God has created and called you to be, you need to spend time with God and hear His voice. Yes, in worship and all these other things, but prayer, talking to God. When we pray, we're communing with him, but we're also saying, God, I can't do this. It's up to you. It's trusting him. 
recognizing our fallibility and his infallibility, recognizing that he's all-powerful and we're not, recognizing that we have a father who can do all things. And he says to us in 1 Timothy 2.8, I want all to pray, lifting holy hands without anger or disputing. He says to us in Romans 12, be faithful in prayer. In Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In James 5, if you're in trouble, pray. If you're sick, pray. In Luke 18, pray and don't give up praying. Pray and don't give up praying. When we look at Ephesians chapter 6, we know that as a passage all about the armor of God, and it starts off by saying, now be st- finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and authorities in this dark world. And then goes through the armor of God. And then it goes on in verse 18 and says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You see, we are in a spiritual battle, not in moments, but in life. Day in and day out, that's how we live. And we are family, but sometimes the family needs to stand together like an army and do warfare and contend for those who don't know God, those situations that come through, those things that we face. But we do that together. We each live in that place of relationship with God and the power of his might comes from us knowing him and him knowing us and us hearing his voice. Too often I think we we have this idea that well, I can pray, I pray in the morning, I pray in the mid, maybe you're a good Christian, you pray in the morning, lunchtime, in the evening. And then the rest of the day you just think, well, I'm just going to do it. I've prayed, I've submitted the day to God, so whatever I do, God's leading me, he'll answer, that's what he wants me to do. It's like, hmm. David tried that once, got annihilated. Because he presumed that the way he, God said for the first battle, he tried with the next, and he tried that one, got just beaten. See, too often we kind of do these moments and forget that actually all day you're living in a battle. It's not something to fear, it's just something to be aware of. And so in order for us to live in the power of his might means that we need to live listening to him, close to him, hearing his voice. So the challenge you have at work, the, the issue that comes up, whatever it is, ask God. Ask God first. That's how we live. But we also to do it together. We pray on our own, because scripture teaches us that we to pray in our own, in the closet, prayerfully ourselves with God we do pray in with others like two or three are gathered we're there we also see incredible moments where the whole church gathered and prayed I think it's Acts chapter 12 when Herod is on the throne James had been killed Peter was in, in jail and it says but the church prayed and they were all together because when this incredible miracle of him being brought out of prison by the angel he came to the house and they were all there together praying so there's power in the church praying together So we pray together in our relationship with God individually. We pray together with others, brothers and sisters and God speaking to the Father together. Then we pray together as a whole family with God, talking to him, crying out to him, standing in the gap on behalf of others, praying for the lost, praying for those who are sick, praying for situations that we can't even get to because they're on the other side of the world. This morning we prayed for John and Saula in Central Asia. Why? Because they're facing something. We know them. We love them. We stand with them. And you know what? God moves on their behalf from our prayers for them on the other side of the world. Why? Because God is all-powerful and ever-present. And he's our father and he's their father and we family and we pray for them. 
So can I encourage you, don't try prayer. Make it an intrinsic part of your life. Not a moment, but a lifestyle. Because he says we to pray, and he will answer. And don't expect God's answer to be exactly what you want. All the time. Because he knows better than you. He sees the big picture. We see today. That's why we have prayer meeting before the church meeting. We pray in our home groups. We're also going to be doing from September. So next week, second Sunday of every month, we're doing an hour of worship and prayer from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the evening. Next week, there'll be calendars at the back. You can take those with a regular event so you know what's going on. Why? Because we're to pray each one of us and commune and talk with God. We're to pray when we come together as home groups. We're to pray when we come together with other believers. And we're to come together as a church and pray regularly for the things that he lays on our hearts. I hope this morning as I end that you're getting what I'm saying, which is prayers talking with God about everything and anything. Problems, troubles, joys, fears, hopes, everything. There's nothing that you can't talk to him about. And actually, we should do more of talking together with him because that knits us together. And where two or three are gathered in his name and crowd him, he's in our midst. So don't try it. Live it. Don't see it as an event. Have it as your life. Because the one that you're praying to is your father who longs to speak with you more than you can imagine. That's who we come to and we have access to. If this morning you hear and you, you don't have a relationship with God. See, we see scripture, it says that his ears are attentive, attentive to the prayers of the righteous. Those are those, those are those who belong to him because we're made righteous by Jesus. But if you're not saved, you don't have a relationship with him. He does say, if you seek after me, you will find me. So I would encourage you, if you are searching, you don't know God, you're questioning who he is, I I, ask him. God, the God of, the, of creation, the one who made me, speak to me and show me who you are. I have full of faith that he will. And he will, you will see and know who he is. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that through my speaking this morning there'd be something that is stirred in each one of our hearts, that we don't go away with another thing to put into practice, but we go away with lives that are transformed with the understanding that we can freely come to you anytime, all the time about anything God where we've reduced our communication with you in prayer to events and moments or mantras, Lord this morning we repent and say sorry we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love that we can come Close with confidence, not in ourselves, but because of Jesus. And we can talk with you. God, our desire is that we, we know you know us fully, but that we would experience and understand and live with that knowledge that we are known fully by you and we know you fully and would grow in that in an ever-increasing measure. 
Lord, I pray that there would be no condemnation, there would be no striving, there would just be a change of heart and life. That our communing and communication with you would be intimate, powerful, and life-changing. That when people see us, they will know that we've been with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of coming to you. In Jesus' name, amen.